You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. There are so many things that are bouncing around in my spirit right now. I feel like a mosquito at a nudist beach. I don't exactly know where to stick in, you know, you know. But uh, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that I'm here with you today. You do know that the Bible says that laughter does good like a medicine. And, and I know some people who need heavy doses of it. Just, uh, it's, it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. And so I'm just so honored to be here. I hope that there's something in the message today that will be meaningful and impacting in your life. Uh, uh, no matter what age and stage you are, uh, I, I pastor people. My oldest member is a, is a minister uh, who's on staff, a lady. She's 102 years old. So, uh, you know, I hope that there's something uh, here today. It doesn't matter whether you're in your tender teens, your teachable 20s, your tireless 30s, your forcible 40s, your fearful 50s, your seasoned 60s, your settled 70s, your aching 80s, your nebulous 90s, or your prodigious 100s. Wherever you are, I hope that there's something that will just speak to you and that that uh, something will echo in your spirit and you'll say, Lord, I thank you that that was for me. But if you would, if you turn your attention to uh, Psalm 46, verse 10 and 11 there, um, and it just simply says this, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. And Selah is a musical instruction because remember, these are songs. Psalms are songs. And this was a musical notation to the musicians telling them when they saw Selah, it meant ad lib, play in the spirit and meditate on what has just been said. Let it marinate in your spirit. So it, it, it gave an interlude for them to just let that sink in. Let that sink in because here's the deal, that reflection turns experience into insight. Reflection turns experience into insight. So we're saying what has just been said, pause, don't rush past this. He says, take a little time and think about what God just said to, to, to us. Be still and know that I am God. Another version puts it this way, cease struggling. Stop fighting. Stop wrestling with things because you don't know how to handle it. And there are things that we, like Jacob, wrestle with all night long. And God says, stop wrestling. Stop struggling. Stop stressing out over this. And so I want to just talk for a few moments from the subject, unplugged. 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 Because you have to unplug some things. It is interesting that the kingdom of God operates in the total opposite the way, the way that the, the, the world operates. The world says, uh, show me and then I'll believe you. God says, believe me and then I'll show you. The world says, get all you can. God says, if you want to get, give. The, the, the world says, climb up to the top as fast as you can. God says, the way, if you really want to go to the top, he says, humble yourself in the sight of God and God will exalt you in due season. It's opposite kingdom. And so it is the same way in the world when every, every night, you know what we end up doing? We end up plugging in our cell phones. We plug that in in order to recharge it. 
But the way that we charge the human soul is to unplug. When you unplug from the news, when you unplug from social media, when you unplug from trifling people that drain your energy. You know those people that call you on your telephone and, and isn't it crazy that the phone will give you an option saying answer or ignore? And there are so many people that are actually, uh, I, I mean, they, they are just cantankerous, contumacious, iconoclastic kind of people. And you really don't want to answer their call because it takes a certain amount of energy to even listen to them. Anybody know somebody like that? I, I, I hope that you're not with them here. Just look straight ahead. Look straight. <laughs> so there, there are some people that are energy drainers. And, and, and when they are energy drainers, just, just seeing their number comes up creates stress in you because you just see their number and immediately their name comes up on your screen and your, your, your question is, what do they want now? I, I mean, you know that there's a certain kind of people in the world, they only call you when they want something. They're not calling to check on you. They're not calling to bless you. They're not calling you to give you a word of encouragement. They're calling you and doing small talk, but you know that it's going to lead around to their asking you for something that they need. And see, these are the kinds of things that are energy drainers. And so you have to unplug periodically just so that you can recharge your own spirit, your own mind. And you see, we have breakdown when we add to today the pressures of yesterday. Or when we add to, 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 uh, to our own lives things that are designed to be cast on the Lord, we are not God. And if people are trying to cast their issues and their concerns and dump on you, and then we get burned down, burned out, and burdened down with the issues of other human beings, that's why we have this incredible need to just chill out. I like to call it chillaxing. <laughs> and uh, where you, you are able to just chill out. And what better place to do it than San Diego? Oh, my goodness. It is unfair that you guys have such moderate temperatures year-round. <laughs> this is unfair. I just want you to know if you live in San Diego and anywhere in the metropolis here, you, you're blessed and highly favored. And favor is not fair. It is not fair. Isn't it crazy that our world is so convoluted? We are so busy all of the time that we have to actually have devices. I, I, I wear my Apple Watch so that it, it reminds me to breathe. <laughs> you know that little symbol and then it starts inflating and you sort of inhale with it because we breathe too shallowly. It, we, we, it, we don't pause enough to take deep breaths to re-oxygenate our souls. And discouragement is when your soul runs out of oxygen. When you encourage a person, you breathe into them. We, you inspire them. To inspire means to breathe in. God inspired man. He breathed into mankind. And then we became a living soul. He inspired us, breathed in us. And so when you don't have the time to inhale the breath of God, and then what happens, we inhale, but we forget to exhale. And then when you hold it, the tension begins to build because we hold on to too much. Too many toxic thoughts, 
too many toxic emotions. And God is simply reminding us in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Because here's the principle. Stress stops your flow. Stress stops your flow. And your life operates at a premium when you are in this thing called flow. Basketball players do it. When you're in your flow, a football player, when you're in your flow, uh, a soccer player, when you're in your flow, things just happen. You, you operate at your peak when you're in a flow. It's a zone where you can do this thing without even having to consciously think about it. You're operating in your flow. And that's what the anointing of the Holy Spirit does when he comes in your life. He relaxes you so you operate in your flow. Stress makes it tight, tense. Have you ever noticed when a person gets stressed, their voice gets high? Because you add tension to the vocal cords, and the more tense that the vocal cords are, the higher your voice is. And that's why when you first wake up in the morning, your vocal cords are most relaxed, and they are elongated, elongated, and your voice is deep first thing in the morning. It's a sign that you are relaxed. <laughs> we have a lady in our church, her voice is so deep, then you call her in the morning and, pe and people say, uh, sir, is your wife home? <laughs> but your vocal cords have had an opportunity to chill out and God is saying, I want you to just breathe, just allow yourself to rest because you're mindful of too many things. You've been carrying too much on your mind. You're stressed out. And if it stops your flow, it stops your creativity. Because here's what happens. We, we are called, we are human beings, not human doings. It's, it's not about what you, you do. It's a matter of, of what you are. Because what you do is a natural outflow of who you are. God is love. So God loves as an outflow of who he has already become. It's who he is. He doesn't have to struggle. He just is it. Amen. When you go to a, a, an aquarium and, and, and you watch, if I, if I want to go down to SeaWorld, I don't have to. You know, when, you, when the people get there, nobody gives instruction to the fish and said, okay, the people are here now. Do the fish thing. <laughs> fish do what they do whether you're looking or not. It's what they do. That's who they are. What you do has to be a natural outflow of who you are. That's why you have to be comfortable in your own skin in order to make it do what it do. You have to just be relaxed. You have to be relaxed. And, and until you relax, you can't have that flow. It, it's, it's, it's just doing that. This is why, you know, I've got four daughters and one son. And all of my kids are married. But my four daughters, I had to get them in the right mindset because I didn't want them to be obsessing over when their husband was going to come. And I, and I shared with my daughters. I took each of my daughters out when, when they got 12 years old. I took them out one by one on a date. And I said, this is how a real gentleman, a husband, will treat you. And I showed them. I showed them. And then I, I, I took with them, uh, you know, a, a ring and a covenant agreement. And I said, your virginity is the only thing that you can give to one person. One time. I said, make it special. And I, at 12 years old, caused them to treasure their virginity. I could talk about that because my wife is the only woman that I've ever known. I'm in my 35th year of marriage. She's the only woman in all of these years that I have ever known. 
What keeps me is the power of a decision. I made a decision 35 years ago to marry one woman, to give my virginity to one woman. I made a decision to do that. What keeps me is the power of a decision. I'm an etymologist. The word decision comes from, the word day means off. The, the word cis means to cut. The word shun means the state of. Every time you make a decision, it is the state of cutting off. Incision, the state of cutting in. Excision, the state of cutting out. You cut out cancer. You excise cancer. Circumcision, the state of cutting around. But a decision is the state of cutting off. And when God says, cease struggling, be still, cut it off, and know that I am God. Turn off the telephone. Turn off the television. Turn off the computer. Turn off folks talking in your ear. And just chill out so you can get recalibrated to the frequency of God in your life. He's saying, be still and know that I am God. Just be still and know, chill out and know that I am God. Because here's a, here's a powerful thing that happens when that happens. When you allow yourself to just be still and know, your creativity comes to a maximum. Your, your, your innovation comes to a peak. When you uh, allow yourself to just chill out, so you just get me out in nature somewhere, and my creativity comes alive. My creativity comes alive. My creativity. I discovered that up in the Silicon Valley, they don't even let their children get introduced to technology until they're about seven years old. They don't entertain them at two years old and three years old sitting in the restaurant with some type of electronic digital device because it reduces their capacity for creativity. Children need to be able to just draw on a piece of paper not in the lines. They, they, they just draw. They create. Take them out to the beach and let them create. Allow the creative gift. Just let them be. Just let them be. Just let them be. It's interesting. It can stop your flow. It can stop your creativity. And so when I work with business people, here's one of the things that I teach them. Because right, I feel like I'm talking to leaders right now. Wow, this is not your, your you know, run-of-the-mill kind of church. This is, this is C3 San Diego. I, I'm not twisted about it, you know. So if, if you really want to know how to, how do you maximize your innovation ability, your creativity, here's the thing. There are four different elements you have to have. Here's number one. There must be a problem to solve. You've got to have a challenge. There must be a problem to solve. Problems are facts of life. Problems are facts of life. And so just, just deal with it. But here's the definition of a problem is that which can be solved. If it cannot be solved, it's a fact of life. But problems are part of life. They're normal to life. They're normal to life. If you really want to have creativity, innovation, there must be a problem to solve. You can't innovate if there's not a problem. There's got to be a problem. You've got to find a way to make it easier. An innovation is not an innovation if it's more difficult than what you currently have. Innovation always makes it more easy, but the easier that something is, the more genius has to go into it in order to make it easy. The more genius has to go into it. The more you have to think about it to get it. So there must be a problem to solve. There must be a problem to solve. Secondly, you must have limited resources. Because if you've got too much money, you'll hire other people who are creative. So you've got to be operating with a limited budget. So when you want to decorate around your, your house and you've been to somebody else's house that's got a whole lot of money and you don't have that kind of money, you have to get creative. Yeah. 
So you'd be surprised how limited resources can stir your creativity because you don't have the kind of money to be able to hire this kind of staff because they got 150 people and you don't have that kind of money. You may be able to hire 10 people, but you can't hire 150. And so you have to get creative with the 10 people that you do have. So there must be limited resources. There must be a problem to solve. There must be limited resources. Here's number three. There must be a willingness to fail. There must be a willingness to fail. In order to, for your creativity, you got to be willing to take some risks. It's got to be a little edgy. You got to take a risk because nobody who plays it safe ever changes the world. So you, you, you got to be, you, you got to be willing to fail. You got to be willing to say, I don't know whether this is going to work or not, but let's just try it. If it, if it, if it, if it doesn't work, we'll try something else. You don't, you don't get stuck there. You just, you try something else. So there must be a problem to solve. There must be limited resources. There must be a willingness to fail. And number four, there must be a crazy idea. You got to have a crazy idea. You got to say, hey, 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 I don't know whether this is going to work or not, but let's do X, Y, Z. You have to have a crazy idea and you have to have a willingness to fail and you've got to have limited resources, limited resources. I mean, Amazon started in that man's garage. In his garage, limited resources. You start where you are. You use what you have and you do all that you can do. Give it everything you've got. You'd be surprised how creative that you can become when you've got a problem to solve and you've got limited resources and you're willing to take a risk and you've got a crazy idea. If you just got a crazy idea, I'm just telling you, if you ever come home sometimes and chill out, be still and know that I am God. When you have a crazy idea, you engage the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. You ask God for something that is ordinary. It doesn't stir the blood of the Holy Ghost. God gets stirred because he is a supernatural God. So when you then need his super to come down on your natural, and if you're not asking God for something that is super, you may not, may as well not ask him. Because God is great and God is good. And he wants to do something great in your life. It's amazing. And so I, I just encourage you to do this. Unplug from whatever is not feeding your soul. Unplug from whatever is not feeding your soul. And take inventory in your life. Whatever is not feeding your soul, unplug from it. If it's not feeding your soul, unplug from it because it's, it's draining your energy. So you have to be still and know that I am God. This is for the season for you to be able to recharge. We plug natural things in to recharge, but spiritual things must be unplugged to recharge. God says you disconnect from man-made stuff. You need a digital detox. You need to go on a fast. You need to withdraw for a while. You need to go to the mountains. Mountains give us perspectives, but valleys mature us. You have to take your time and get out in nature and let nature begin to prophesy to you. And see, we didn't even have all of the kind of electronic things in the fast-paced world. Can you imagine that back during the time of Jesus, people were still anxious and stressed out over stuff? And it wasn't because they were waiting on the repairman to come and fix the washing machine. They didn't have a washing machine, nor a dishwasher, nor a vacuum cleaner. And yet they were still stressed. 
Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 6. Notice verse 25 through 34. Notice what Jesus said to them. I love his realistic concern about human beings and our anxieties and stresses. Notice, Jesus says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing, and yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. See, Jesus knew that when you are stressed out, you can't make good decisions. So he says, be still and know that I'm God. Just trust me. Be still and know that I'm God. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, whether or not your application is going to be approved, whether the loan is going to be approved, whether you're going to be able to sell a certain piece of property, whether you'll be able to, to get into this school, how you're going to pay for your ch children's schooling, and, and one thing after another, how am I going to be promoted on my job? How do I earn more money? How do I pay off this debt that I'm dealing with? He says you're concerned about too many things. He just says relax, relax, just chill out. And allow yourself to be refilled and just recount what God has already done for you in the past. Just recount and let him do something new. And when you unplug, you get out into nature and you can more readily observe and orient and decide and execute. When you get into a new environment, the first thing that you do is observe where you are. You look at where you are in every new environment and then you begin to orient yourself to that new environment. You get the perspective of where, what's there. And then you decide. Again, to decide means to cut off other options. Every decision means that you cut off other possibilities. You decide, you decide, you decide, and then you execute. You do it. You act. And there are some people that decide and they never execute. And they say, you know what, I'm going to get married. And they never execute. They never pop the question. They never follow through. You have to execute. Application is the evidence of learning. Application is the evidence of learning. And if you don't ever apply it, it means you didn't learn it. A disciple, a disciple of Christ, hear me carefully, is not merely a, a follower. Disciple really means learner. And there are some people that follow behind you but never learn. But a disciple is a learner who then puts a process, it, it jumpstarts a process. Here's the process. Learn, do, teach. Learn, do, teach. 
Learn, do, teach. It keeps on going in perpetuity. Learn, do, teach. It's a cycle of success. Learn it, do it, teach it to others. Learn it, do it, teach it to others. Learn it, do it, teach it to others. That's how you empower people. You, you can't teach what you haven't learned. And you can't do it unless you've already become that thing. You learn it, you do it, and then you teach it to others. You learn it, you do it, you teach it to others. Jesus said the thing that you have learned, you've received of me, learned, heard, and seen in me, do those things. He says, and now in 2 Timothy 2, 2, he says, the things that you've seen me do, you've watched, you've observed, you've gotten it from me, you've learned it from me, commit it to others, faithful people who shall be able to teach others also. Just give it to them. Just give it away. Give it away to them. And then he tells us in, in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And that was the thing with sheep. You had to make sheep lie down when they were anxious because when they are anxious, they have a tendency to just pace. Like some people, when they get upset, they can't be still. They have to pace. But the Lord said, he makes me lie down. Concerning the sheep, he makes them lie down beside the still waters. Lead them in, field, in, in green pastures. And then he, he leads me beside the still water, and then he restores my soul. The reason that it says that he leads me beside the still waters is because still waters back in that time was the only way that they could get a true reflection of what they looked like. They didn't have mirrors. So if you really wanted to know what you looked like, and it, it never showed you in a bathroom with tile in the background. When you looked in the still waters, because running water distorts your image. You can't see your image in running water. He leads me beside the still waters. When he does that, he begins to restore my soul, my mind, my emotions, my imagination, my will. He recalibrates me. He leads me beside the still waters and allows me to really see for the first time what I look like with the backdrop of the blue sky in the background over me. And when I do that, I'm not seeing man-made stuff. I only see the reflection of my own face with the backdrop of God's big blue heaven reminding me that the sky is the limit. Because champions look at the world in, in, in a different way because, you know, you, you look at some people when their bank accounts get down to zero, they look at the zero and it looks like a zero. But real champions don't look at a zero and throw their hands up and say, I have nothing. Real champions look at a zero and see the zero as a portal through which they look and can see infinity. It's all in how you look. It's all in how you look. Uh, the, the champion looks through the O because it is an opening that begins to show them a realm of possibility. But until your mind has been quieted to where you be still and know that he is God, you just be still and know he leads me, he leads me, he leads me beside the still waters and he restores my soul because you have to become that thing. I told you I have four daughters and one son. And, and I told my daughters, I said, you have to become a wife before you become a wife. You, you notice the scripture, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. Notice it didn't say he that finds a woman. 
Because not every woman is wife material. Not every man is husband material. There are some people who absolutely should not get married because they are not wife material or husband material. He that finds a wife, she has to already be a wife in her mind. She has to already be a wife in her attitude, in the way that she comes home at a decent hour. She already has to be a wife in the disciplines of her life. You don't become that. Nothing magical is going to happen in a wedding ceremony. If you're not already in your mindset. And, and, and there are too many men that are, that are running after attractive women and not attractive wives. Uh, You, 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 uh, uh, it's, it's about an attitude. Uh, an attitude is a frame of mind, but an attitude is an external manifestation of an internal feeling. And that's why you can always perceive an attitude. If a man's wife has an attitude, he will know it. <laughs> he will know it. He will know it. We had a guy in our church and his wife had gone out to dinner and, and he knew immediately when they were in front of their friends, you know, because he was at dinner and he, he was a jokester and he says, you know, my wife is on a seafood diet. She eats all the food she can see. And the whole table laughed. <laughs> but in the car on the ride home, there was a tension in the front seat that was discernible. It was so thick you could have cut a chunk of it out with a knife. And he asked her, honey, what's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> He's seeing the attitude. And so you see, when a man, he that finds a wife, finds a good thing. He finds a wife. He that finds a wife. He's not talking about somebody's wife who's already married. He's talking about a single woman who is prepared already mentally as a wife. Because here's the deal. You never rise to the occasion. You fall to your highest level of preparation. You never rise to the occasion. You only fall to your highest level of preparation. So when a woman has already become a wife, it makes it easy for somehow when a man sees her, he realizes this is wife material. Because you see, ladies, what men play with, they don't want to live with. Uh, why buy the cow if you can get the milk free? <laughs> uh, I'm so glad this is grown folks church. <laughs> And in the same way, ladies, make sure that what you're being found by is a husband and not a man. Because not every man is a husband. Some of them still haven't grown up. You, 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 there's a huge difference between a boyfriend, a boy, and my boyfriend. Boys play games. The difference between a boy and a man is one word, responsibility. Not every boyfriend is a husband. It's not husband material. And, and, and when, now listen, a woman marries a man in hopes that she can change him. And a man marries a woman hoping that she'll never change. <laughs> While they're courting and dating, 
the man is trying to get the woman to sink down into his arms. Once they get married, he's trying to keep her arms over in a sink. It's a different day. Just be still and know that he is God. I want to give you some quick things that are just simple things that we learn. Simple truths that we learn from observing God's creation. Just the birds. The birds teach us that stress-free living is a blessing. You will never see a bird that has a deep freezer with meat for the weak. The bird knows that God provided their food yesterday and he's going to take care of them today. The bird never stresses over even what's going to happen tomorrow. Stress-free living. When you look at birds, I want you to be still and know that he's God by looking at all of the creation that declare the glory of God. You look at the river. The river says, keep moving. No matter what happens in your life, keep moving. You went through a bad breakup in a relationship? Keep moving. Man's rejection is God's direction. Keep moving. No matter what happened, keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Don't let what happened to you stun you to the degree that you can't recover. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. The wind tells us, don't tell your next move. Because you can't tell from the wind which way it comes and where it's going. In other words, let people feel your impact. You can always see the effects of the wind. You see its impact. He says, so is everybody that is born of the Spirit. We are just like the wind. And, and Don't announce your next move because God's leading you. We're led, we're, as many as are led by the Spirit of God. We don't exactly know we're trusting Him. But then the rocks, the rocks tell us something else. The rock says, anchor down. That you can't hop from pillar to post. That you have to find foundational core issues. Find the core, the korahi, that gives you courage. If it's not in your core, you won't have courage for it. Anchor down, find the rocks. The next is the clouds. The cloud says to us, it's passing, not permanent. And whatever you see today, it's passing, not permanent. Don't get upset because things change. Well, you, you've changed. It, it's passing, not permanent. And at every stage when you walk with God, there's a new level of glory. The clouds are constantly in motion, constantly. It's passing, not permanent. Just remind yourself, no matter how bad something has happened, this too shall pass. You look up to the clouds, and the clouds are reminded that no matter how large the storm system is, it's passing. This is passing, not permanent. This is passing, not permanent. I'm dealing with attitudes in my home. This is passing, not permanent. The disrespect, this is passing, not permanent. The financial struggle of living from hand to mouth, this is passing, not permanent. The issues in your own health, this is passing, not permanent. I learned things from the caterpillar, and the caterpillar reminds me that you can change. Because the caterpillar, out of its own mouth, creates the environment in which its metamorphosis will take place. They spin their own cocoon that encapsulates them. The scripture says that thou art stared by thy words. And so what comes out of your mouth can create the atmosphere in which your metamorphosis will take place. And just because somebody sees you as a worm, your, your, your mode of transportation will change. Because once the caterpillar 
has gone through its death-like state of being in the cocoon. When he comes out, you'll never crawl again. The mode of transportation. You'll never crawl around in dirty things again. He makes you to where your mode of how you get around and how you do things changes because you've changed kingdoms. Except a corner wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, my God, he will allow something to rise up with strength and power in you. You become more than you could have ever been. I even look down at the dirt because my granddaddy, my granddaddy was a big, huge farmer. And we, we had thousands of chickens there. We sold the eggs and we even sold the chickens to Campbell's Soup. And, uh, and you, you just discover that what it taught me is seeing things in the dirt that something beautiful can blossom out of something dirty. And your past might be dirty. But when you get the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God, seed works in a dirty environment. And God can bring something beautiful out of a dirty past. Things that you're ashamed for your family to ever find out and know about you, but God, God brings something beautiful out of something dirty. And then, if you'll ever just look up in sunny San Diego, you see the sun. It reminds us that light is always shining somewhere. You get on an airplane, you'll discover that above the clouds, the sun always shines. And even when it's dark on this part of the world, the sun is shining in another part of the world. The sun always shines. It never goes out at night. There is no night for the sun. The sun is always shining. And he says, let your light so shine. Because in us, there's not supposed to be any darkness at all. Let your light so shine. We don't just turn the light on when you get here to C3. No, no, no. It's who we are. It's who we are, whether in the home. My dad lived by this motto that no amount of success can compensate for failure at home. We have no authority to export what has not been homegrown. And if we don't grow in it, if it won't work in, if it won't work in your home, why would you think that it will work in the world? Let it shine. Let it shine. And just remember that God says, be still and know that I'm God. Cease thinking about the things and start thinking about the King. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.